How many love the Lord today? You can see it in your eyes. You can see it in the sense it in your spirit. Many times, I think we are um, going through things that only you and the Lord know about, and that's okay. Sometimes you're, we're, uh, we carry things or we, we battle things in the spirit realm. But sometimes I think there's a need for the body to kind of rise up, embrace um, the Lord together. And so, before we get to the text, if you've got a burden on your heart today or you're concerned, or we were saying about there's no longer fear, no longer, God never intended us to live in fear. Though sometimes we are afraid. Or we could concern, or we have a moment. And I just believe that we need to declare his promises over our lives. We are a child of God. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Nothing that the enemy tries to put on us is going to happen because Jesus is your armor. And he stations his holy angels around you. So will you pray with me? Lord, put a hedge around each and every family. Lord, build up the wall that protects us from the fiery darts and from the enemy's discouragement of any kind or any kind of attempts to get a foothold on us. Lord, I pray you will bring down and thwart the enemy's plans, but reveal your plans, reveal your truth to us. Show us what's the next step. Lord, help us to be found faithful, to stay true to the calling of the jobs that you've given us or the callings of of being who we are in Christ. Lord, strengthen your body in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in 2 Peter, not 2 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. Sorry about that. Getting ahead of myself already. We've been talking about the Lord's blessing of his salvation of the inheritance, chapter 1. But not only that, that it, we know that. We, we know that we're blessed, but sometimes we are, are, um, find ourselves in trials. And the first chapter just said, if it's necessary, I don't like to preach on trials that much because so often they happen when I preach on trials. Um, or my my faith is tested, and uh, or if I preach on patience, the Lord might test me this week. No, I'm just trying to be real. Um, there, we are often as human as as we we don't dare to to admit, uh, but we know that God is always at work. He saves us first of all, so that we can know Him. Number one, that we might know God. And the power of his resurrection. God's word has been given to us so that we might understand more who, how, who he is, what he's all about, and what we are in the process. And so the word process, we, were, we, read, we read a little bit about in the first chapter, it's a sanctifying uh, work of the Holy Spirit. That's in chapter 1, verse 2. Did you know that the work of the Holy Spirit is ongoing? 
and ongoing. As long as we're on this earth, we're dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts so he can work through us. So chapter 2, now we're getting to uh, deeper into the subject, deeper into the letter. And he addresses, he says the word therefore. And every time you read therefore in the Bible, what do you need to do? Kind of back up and see why is he saying therefore? Well, he just declared that in the previous verses, uh, things that... uh, this word that was preached, he talked about the flesh in verse 24 is like grass that uh, withers, it falls off, uh, flower withers, falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever, amen? No matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens in your world, the word is absolutely the foundation of truth that you can turn to. And we 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 don't doubt, we don't want to doubt God's word for one little one little second, because that's where our faith comes from. So we begin to read, therefore putting aside all malice, and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. How many moms remember you 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 know you. You're newborn, and the, 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 the idea of the, the appetite of the new baby is a good thing. When a baby has an appetite because they, they will begin to grow and be nourished. As we start our walk with the Lord, he's likening our walk as a, as a, new, a new creation. A new, you're born again. You're an infant at the moment you receive Christ. And you begin to grow up in the things of the Lord. So what, what's a good sign for you and I is when you have an do- appetite for God's word. Amen? And you, you're not sure where to read, but you, you, you're starting. So I encourage young Christians to begin in the, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and get right into the apostles' letters and begin to find your way through Go back to the Old Testament, too, as well, especially in Genesis and Exodus, and you'll find a lot of strength in the stories and the faith stories and the, and the miracles that God provided. We are not going to understand God's word one trip through it or two trips through it or three trips through it. In fact, of the matter is we will keep on learning as long as we are on the earth, as long as the Lord allows us to be here, we're going to keep on being learners. The fact of the matter is, it is a good thing when we admit that we don't understand it all, but we are coming to the understanding little by little, and we understand the one who does. We, and that is enough in itself. When you know that you know he is the one and the only true God, you are on the right track. When you are convinced that God's word is absolute truth. The problem with our society, as we begin to observe, there is this thinking, well, the Bible was just kind of written by some folks, and you know that they made mistakes, and you know that may not all be true, but 
I believe that all scripture is inspired by God. It is written. Yet he, writ, he wrote, he moved through the apostles, he moved through the, the prophets as a vessel in, God, in, hand, in hands of God and penned the words that we have before us. We go through these, this verse by verse. We look at verse 3. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, it's like he's saying if you have once felt God's presence, if you have once understood his forgiveness, if you have ever tasted the Lord and his compassion, there's something that happened. You cannot, be, uh, you cannot remain the same. And so you cannot be in the presence of God and remain the same. One of the things that happened throughout Scripture over and over, that when people, the people of God, got in the presence, so often they would humble them. They would fall in the presence of God. They would, they would, they would recognize that God is so powerful and so holy. And yet he is so compassionate and he's so merciful that he comes down to sinners and he has provided a way for our salvation. So number one this morning, verse two, we are called to grow up in the things of the Lord. We're called to grow, not to stay the same, not to stay an infant, not to stay a baby Christian. I remember uh, reading the book of Hebrews, and you come to a place there with the writer, which we're not sure who the author, we know God is. But we don't know for sure the, the man or uh, God used to pen the words of Hebrews. But we take it as God's word. And it says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. What he's saying is that but what is happening is you're not, you're, not, uh, you're not as far along as you ought to be at this time. But let me just encourage you. You may not be always making the progress you want to. But if you're making progress, stay with it. If you're making progress in the, in the Word of God, if you if you if you have an appetite, that is the first and foremost. That that's a that's a blessing. If you have a want to, and so what what happens if we don't have a want to? We can ask God, you Lord, help help me to have an appetite. Lord, help me to want to grow in the things of the Lord. Lord, help me to you know. And here's way here's way a word with me. And my, my testimony is that I grew up in a church. I accepted the Lord as a young boy. I knew I was saved, and I went to church. But I wasn't reading the Bible consistently like I should have been until I got to the age of around 18, uh, 17, 18, and on to my uh, 19th year. And God began to, uh, after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I began to have a hunger, more of a thirst for the things of God. And I would find myself opening the Bible in the evenings in my bedroom and be just begin to read and take a portion, take a portion of God's Word. And at, heart, at first it was hard to, to, you know, to focus, hard to take the time. As I read more, I, want, I began to develop more of an appetite for God's Word. How many know that you don't always have that appetite that, you know, maybe, maybe you have a project you started and you, and you kind of, you know, we're excited at first, but then it kind of it kind of lost its uh, excitement and fell off and kind of stalled out. How many of you have ever had a project like you started? You need to finish it, but you need something to come along and encourage you. Here's what happened: 
God the Holy Spirit is always the same. He's always the same. His truth is always the same. But what happens in our life, circumstances or events or seasons of life may become our, our hindrances. Or we become, you know what, I'm just too tired tonight. Or we say, we, you know, we're just too, we got just too many things going on. Well, listen, we've got, we've got to pull ourselves back in and say, you know what, I need my time with the Lord. I need the Word of God, though I may not always understand how I know you feel good when you read the Word. Maybe you didn't understand what you feel good about because that's what God has called us to do. When you read, you may not remember what you ate yesterday, but it nourished you, right? You may not even remember, but listen, the Holy Spirit is, will bring your, to your memory. He already promised that to the disciples. He said, don't worry what you're going to say when you stand before the people that are they're going to be you know, coming against you. Don't worry. I'm going to put the words in your mouth. And I'm going to, I'm going to bring to your remembrance. How many need the Holy Spirit to help you remember? I absolutely need the Holy Spirit to help you to remember, to recall, to, to, to go back to. And sometimes... Uh, uh, you'll you'll reflect. You'll be reflecting, and you remember when the Lord helped you in a circumstance. Remember when the Lord first came into your heart, or you remember when the Lord was touching your family or helping you with a situation. And somewhere down the line, you realize that I have been, I have been called. I have been, I have chosen. He has chosen me, but I also have chosen him, and I have decided to serve him as a Joshua did when he was on the bank to the Jordan after they crossed through and he made up he made up his mind and he called the people to make up their mind if you're going to choose to serve the Lord let's do it with all your heart see what's the one thing about God what's the one thing about God wants he wants us to be all out for him he wants us to be all in for him he wants us to you know this is what this is what we're committing to we're, we're saying Lord I, I, I realize I am not perfect I know that I, I have sins and he said yes I know that too when I'm taking away those sins. And you can have a new beginning today if any man is in Christ, is a new creation. What will stop our growth is when we begin to say, well, we're not, we're not getting anything out of it. We're not getting anywhere. We'll just begin to slack off in our passion and our desire. Friends, the enemy wants to steal your appetite. The enemy wants to take away the joy. The enemy wants to say, you know, it's too hard. It's too hard. He wants to say to you that everybody else is, you know, just kind of kind of slacking along, kind of just coasting along. You're fine. Don't get too excited about the things of God. Don't, don't, don't get too uh, riled. But you know what? The enemy knows that's where the power is. He knows that's where the absolute. He was defeated by Jesus when Jesus said, it is written. When, you know, when, when they were, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. That battle was won. As Jesus said, it is written. How in the world does Satan think he could take down the King of kings and the Lord of lords? He is the word. He is the word. In the beginning was the word, right? And the word was with God. And the word was God. And so we have his written word for us. And so Peter, Peter is encouraging. What happens to us when we get into the God's word? What happens to us when we taste the Lord? 
It says, first for coming to him as a living stone. Christ is recognized here as the living stone. Coming to him as to a living stone. Jesus is the rock. A strong, firm foundation. He showed himself as the children of Israel were going uh, and, and crossing through uh, the Red Sea. He showed himself when they were thirsty. Remember, Moses was a hit the rock the first time, and out came water. Jesus showed himself to the Samaritan woman. I am the living water. Remember, over and over throughout it again, the rock, Paul's word to Corinth, that there's no other foundation. Jesus' word to Peter himself. And when Peter said, answered the question, Jesus said, who, who, who do you say the Son of Man is? And Peter had this understanding. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, upon this rock. You know what the rock is? The rock is Jesus. Upon the expression of your faith, thou art the Christ. That is the rock. When we declare Christ in our life, Lord, you are the rock. You are the sure foundation. You're the one whom I can stand on today. There's nothing else. Once you've tasted of the Lord, there's no comparison to anything else in the world. There's nothing that can fill the void like Jesus. Only God himself can fill the unhappiness with happiness and joy. Only God himself can take away the guilt, guilt and condemnation that the devil puts on us. Only God himself can come at what the devil wants to do for evil. God can turn around for good. God can take brokenness and strife and malice and all this envy, and he can just wipe it clean. At the moment we say, Jesus, I'm sinking. Peter was rescued. As he looked to the winds and the waves, he said, for a moment, your friends, I'm this human. Too often to admit, I begin to look at the circumstance. I begin to look at my, my own strength. And it doesn't seem, we begin to, those things begin to close him. And listen, the key is that we must look to the Lord. We must stand upon his word. Listen, not only he is a living stone, verse 5 says, you also as living stones. What is he, what is he saying? There's stones that being uh, as, 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 a, as a building, a spiritual, you and I represent spiritual stones. Live, why are we alive? Because God's Spirit is in us. And he is building a wonderful body, a building which is of people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And the stones are to be connecting one to another, and we're held together by God's grace. We would say the mortar, so to speak, the, the, uh, the cement that holds the stones together, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, that people are reaching out to one another, supporting each other, that we are called uh, to a life that is, is to be alive and well. In other words, when someone is in need, 
we're concerned when we hear of, uh, of someone uh, in getting uh, sick or, or being in, in a place of hardship. We are concerned and we go to the Lord and we lift their names up or we go visit them or some way we connect to the whole building. We were never meant to be a lone ranger. We would hear this in college. For the Lord. Amen. We are meant to dwell together in unity. And so the picture, interesting enough, he, he, he begins to lay out several ideas. Jesus, the living stone. Verse 6, he says, a choice cornerstone. And then in verse 7, a rejected stone. And verse 8, a stumbling stone. They're all representing our Lord. The words of the Bible that has to, we're drawing from, from Old Testament Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, is written from the prophet of Isaiah. It's a precious cornerstone. If you were to visit Israel, which I've never visited Israel, but I've seen pictures, Often you, how many have ever, has anyone ever visited Israel yet? Yeah. Tell me, the landscape is, and the buildings are, you see a lot of stonework? A lot of stuff, uh, stones, uh, buildings. That was the material that was available. And so Peter is, and, and the prophets are, are connecting with the people. They're using language that we can understand and relate to. And so if you were a mason, one who built buildings out of stones or brick and mortar, you would understand your first foremost important thing is to get that building square, and you would put a cornerstone, uh, place a stone here, and you would measure the distance, and you would square across. And here's, here's what I want you to grasp. When we align ourselves with the cornerstone, our building stays straight. Our building is squared up. Our building is in right relationship. But if we just place a stone here and there and don't take into account to measure anything and just kind of, it's going to be way out of whack and not look very good, not going to function well. It's going to be hard to build it. You listen, the Lord comes to help us align ourselves. True it up. Get in this in a place of right relationship with him. You see, now, if you were a stonemason and you had a pile of stones, you would choose stones as you're building the wall that would fit that, that part of the building. And I've, I've been around a few stonemasons, or I've watched or observed some of the works, and every once in a while you find a stone that just doesn't seem to fit anywhere. And so they kind of chuck it to the side. But you know what? I've also observed this. There are little tiny stones that will fill in a, a gap that will support a larger stone. You see the connection? Every one of us are called to be something, do something, be in the wall, be involved. You may never think that you're doing that much. But if you're supporting, 
and you're showing up and you're praying, you are just as important as a large stone. The small stones also are important. What would happen if you pulled those small stones out? Eventually, erosion, eventually the large stone would fall out of the wall. You see the picture? You're important. As long as you're here, you're important. As long as God gives you breath, as long as you're walking with him, you have something to give because God is sharing with you. God is pouring into you. God is going to use you. And where you go in this life, God is going to use you and your testimony, your circumstances is going to bring glory to God. You don't know the next person that is drawing from you because of your faith, because of your prayer life, because they recognize there's something different about you. And they're drawing from you. They may not come out and say it, but people that walk with God often carry this presence with them that you say, you know what? They build up people. They make things better wherever they go. They're about building up. They're about encouraging encouraging one another, not tearing down. They're the kind of people that don't find fault. They're the kind of people that look for ways to build up. Bless. Listen, when we really start to live is when we catch this. What can I do to encourage people? What can I do to make their life better? What can I do? doesn't matter about me. That's Christ. If we'll ever someday understand this totally, it will be when we're changed. But Jesus absolutely surrendered all that he had. He chose to come down. He chose to come down and live among us. He chose to come into a a Roman Empire who used crucifixion as a way to bring criminals to justice. The Bible is full of little windows pointing to Jesus along the way. We don't always catch it at first. What do you mean, the rock? Well, the rock was with the people of Israel. The rock of Jesus was following them as they went through the, the places of the wilderness. The rock is some, for some didn't understand, that would be those who stumbled or they're offended by Jesus. We're seeing it across our land. Why are so many people offended if we pray in Jesus' name? Why? Because there's this battle going on that if they come to understand Jesus, that they're going to have to chase. And there's this battle that they want to live for self. They want to live with whatever they believe in, and the Bible confronts that. So we can't come to the Lord And we can't come to his presence without his grace. But his grace is extended to us. And because we can come to his presence, because of his grace, we will never be the same. 
Once we've tasted the Lord, he says, we've tasted the Lord, the kindness of the Lord, and it just continually goes back. It is the kindness of God. It is the grace of God. I, I talked a brief testimony of someone I talked to. Uh, he was at a wedding uh, reception, and we got to talking, and he just shared his testimony. He said, I used to be an atheist. Really? I said, how did you change? What happened? Well, I used to think that I could argue down God. I could, I could put him in his place. Really, I said. What changed? He said, well, when I understood that he, he died for me and he gave his life on the cross for me, I couldn't argue with that. I didn't know what to say, but I'm so glad. See, that's the gospel. The cross brings it to a reference. The cornerstone is likened to the cross. We are lying. If you have questions, if you have doubts, go back to the cross. Remember the cross. It was finished there. If you have questions that God could ever forgive you, listen, go to the cross. Think about the cross. His blood paid for all your sin, every sin, and every sin you will ever commit when you walk with Jesus. You are ready when you have Jesus. And so you, the first step, and you begin to grow in the Lord, you begin to understand your first step is to accept Jesus Believe on the Lord, and you shall be saved. Believe on what? Believe that the Lord gave his life for you. Believe that he's, he rose again, that he's alive and well, that he lives on the throne, and he lives for you and I. He's coming back for us. And we, we begin to grow and understand more and more about his word, and we begin to understand that we're not just saved just so that we can be forgiven, but we're saved to become a minister to God. And here we look at the verse 9. You are a chosen royce, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you ever thought of yourself as being a people for God's own possession? A people for God. A royal priesthood. Listen, the priest represented the people of God and they would go before God for the people. They would confess the sins of the people and they would use the animals at that time. Listen, the Lord has done away with that because his blood has sacrificed once and for all sin. So it comes down that we are called to to come to him, to grow. We're called to grow up in the Lord, but we're also called uh, and we would say we are called to die to ourselves, but now we're called to live. You resurrected, become a new person. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses, but God, but God, we read that in Ephesians, being rich in mercy has saved us. We cannot ever earn it. We can never work hard enough. We can never try to be good enough. And so we come to the last point, and I'm going to call this, we're called, first of all, we're called to grow. 
We're called to live. We're called to life. As thirdly, we're called to be surrendered. We're called to be in a place. Of, what does that mean? It really has to do with lordship. It really comes down to, you know what? I'm not my own. I'm really... He's in control of my life. Oh, my, what does that do for us? It frees us up. It frees us to accept God's calling, God's provision. It makes us content. Whatever the Lord wants, keep coming back to it. A surrendered life. And it comes down to this. He gives example. I'll skip down to verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Whoa. What does that mean? The attitude of Christ. This finds favor for the sake of conscience toward God. A man bears up under sorrow and suffering unjustly. Now, there's one thing if you suffer because you did something wrong. I mean, you know, paying the price. But if you're suffering because you did something right, that's tough to swallow. How do we deal with that? How do we handle that? We have to turn it over. We have to let the Lord bear that burden. We have to cast our care on him, for he cares for us. In a way, it's like when Jesus was saying, if any man's going to follow me, pick up his cross and follow me. It's almost like there's, there's this, you mean we've been called to suffer? Well, when you read on, Verse 21, you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but and kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. I don't believe that we're to be, you know, not have common sense. If we're suffering and we need help physically, we can go to the doctors. Or we pray first and we go to the doctor. We believe. I'm not saying, I don't think that he's referring to that if you're in a situation where your life is in danger, that you're to just kind of, well, whatever, whatever happens. Listen, when it comes to the stand and the standard of the gospel of Jesus. We will stand up for God. We don't have to be mean. We don't have to come across as a kind of maniac. You know what I mean? We're just going to be faithful. We're going to love people in spite. You see, this is where it gets tough. Can we love people if they cause us pain? That's, that's supernatural. 
Only by the help of the Lord. Listen. If someone has hurt you, you can't forgive them except by the grace of God. Or you can't receive healing until you've turned it over to Jesus. And you keep continuing to turn it over to Jesus. Jesus was going before the crucifixion, and he was standing before Pilate, and he would he wouldn't say anything. And Isaiah prophesied like a sheep being led to the slaughter. He didn't say anything. He could have called all the power available to him, but he gave himself. And listen, I believe that God can help us. That even though we may not know what the next thing is, where the next uh, stage is taking us in life, we're going to surrender ourselves to God's loving, caring, absolute, all-knowing. He is the guardian. Now look, here's the last verse. Verse 25, you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. We can never lose when we choose to say yes to Jesus. I don't understand it all. I don't know exactly where you're going to take me all this life, but I'm going to believe that you have all power and all the knowledge. You have all the provision. You have all that I have need of in you, Jesus. And I trust you. Yesterday's gone. Right? We have today. We don't know about tomorrow. And he's called us that we don't, even though we don't know about tomorrow, we know the one who does. And we can say, Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm going to stick with this word. I'm going to read your word because I know it's true and I know I need it. I'm going to allow you to help me understand. And you're the one that's going to give me the life that is abundant life. Can we pray in closing? We're going to sing a song just in a moment, of a song that has to do with our surrendered life. And let's believe together. Lord, right now we just come at as we are. We come simply. Uh, sometimes we're, we're, we have questions. Sometimes we're, we're not even sure. Um, but, Lord, there's an opportunity every day with you, Jesus. There's a new start. There's a fresh oil of the Holy Spirit that you have for us. There are mercies that are new every morning. And so, Lord, yesterday's gone. Today is a new day. And, Lord, we're saying by, by, grace, by grace we are saved. We accept what you've done for us. And by grace, we're going to move forward in the days to come. By grace, we're going to have understanding when the trial comes or when the heat rises or comes on or when the suffering. We don't understand, but we're going to say, Jesus, for whatever reason, we're trusting you and we're believing it and we're going to surrender to you, Jesus.